0: This podcast is brought to you from our friends at Tincata Protective Fabrics, Emergency Networking, MagnaGrip, and IFSTA.
1: So good afternoon, good evening, good morning, uh, depending on wherever and whenever you're listening, I will once again start with gratitude and thank everybody for tuning in to the Perspectives on Leadership podcast brought to you by Fire Engineering. My name is Steve Shaw. I'm an assistant chief of Fort Lauderdale Fire Rescue, and I'm honored to be part of the fire engineering family, not only as a presenter for FBIC, but as the the, the lead for this podcast. Um you have your choice of which podcast to listen to and digest these days, and I am truly honored that you're choosing to listen to this one. So thank you thank you very much for, for, for tuning in. Chief Holton told me once years ago at FDIC that FDIC was a tactics conference, not just with firefighting, but with all things, leadership, training, mentorship, what have you. And that no matter what we did or no matter what we presented on or spoke on, that we should be focused on the tactical ways for our listeners and readers to be able to deploy these ideas in the real world. Uh, so in that spirit and, and always in his honor, I will continue to focus on the tactics as well as the concepts during this podcast. Uh, you all know my perspective is my passion. Uh, it's my personal journey as a student of leadership. I, I continue to be fascinated by how perspective uh, affects our ability to lead. Uh, the goal for this podcast is the same as it is on day one. Take a concept or a trait that we associate with leadership and take a deep dive down that rabbit hole. There are so many amazing leaders within our fire service that I want to be able to pick their brains and allow them to provide as many tactical, immediately deployable takeaways as possible to the listener. I'm forever grateful to fire engineering and especially Chief Halton for allowing me to have this this platform so that I can do my part in passing it on to my brothers and sisters in the fire service. So I'm not going to lie. Before this podcast, I was having trouble trying to figure out how to introduce Rick George. Uh, My first thought was... Man, Steve, you don't need to introduce this guy. He's one of those people that by name alone, you have an idea of who he is and some of the contributions he's made to the fire service. You know, he's iconic. Uh, But the second thought was, if you didn't know him, my first thought was he's the epitome of not judging a book by his cover. I mean, his hard, intimidating exterior definitely does not do justice to this man's deep intellect and consistent drive to help the fire service enhance our mindset when it comes to things like resiliency. So I had the privilege of chatting with Rick at FDIC in April. And the conversation was so good that we all knew that we wanted to talk about a bunch of things and just couldn't do within the hour that we had at FDIC. So we quickly agreed that we needed to do a round two whenever we had the opportunity. So this basically is round two of that first conversation we had back in April. So just before I give him the the, the floor here, just to, if you don't know who Rick George is, Rick George He's a 29-year veteran of the fire service, serving 24 years at Palm Beach County as a career fireman. Rick has ridden and commanded engines, trucks, and rescues during his career. He has designed delivery courses at, as an instructor to national and international audiences. Uh, after being diagnosed with PTSD in 2008, Rick battled to come back and finish his last 10 years of his career whole. He retired from his department in the late in his late 50s to start his own training company. Currently teaching as an immersion-based class on performance and facilitating groups with firemen, law enforcement officers, veterans, and uniformed personnel struggling with substance abuse and mental health issues at at a local treatment facility in West Palm Beach. Rick is a published author. He's published uh, multiple blogs, chronicles books, and is a co-author of the book Developing Firefighter Resilience. Rick is also a cancer survivor. Uh, he is a self, self-described glutton for punishment. Uh, he's been married twice, has six kids, nine grandkids, and his wife and him can be found surfing at the local beach break in South Florida from time to time. Um, so right before I gave him the mic, there was three things I was thinking about prior to us getting on the horn today. The first one was the concept of face-to-face interactions. When I got back from FDIC, my wife had said, you know, she'd listened to the, the, the podcast. And she's like, man, that was a great conversation. And that exactly is what it was. It was a conversation. It wasn't like a question, answer or whatever. It was a conversation. And it got me reminded. It reminded me of the real need to put our tablets away, flip our phones over and have those really good face-to-face interactions as opposed to a text and a phone call. The second thing I was thinking of is that Rick at FDIC mentioned that FDIC is the church of fire. And I love that concept. I love that, that mindset and how appropriate, how many times... We attend a conference or a seminar that just gets us that, that recharge, that refill, that rejuvenation that we need to just just go on, you know, and, and there's so many more of those out there. And whether you're going to a big conference like FDSC or one of the large ones or even a smaller one locally, there's a lot more out there these days that allows for that regular recharge, that regular maintenance for us as we go through this, this journey. And the last thing I was thinking of is, is that concept of resiliency. And how important today is it for us to be able to uh, withstand, balance, uh, or otherwise process all of the varying amounts of stress that comes with being a firefighter? You know, whether you're as green as grass, recruit or a salty veteran, res- resiliency is one of those absolutely crucial things to survive this career in the fire service. So that being said, Rick, thank you for joining me again today. Much appreciated. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, my man
2: i'm exhausted we haven't even started yet bro that was like one unbelievable i'm just gonna say i know rick george i know him and he doesn't impress me so i don't you know that whole intro thing was uh oh you know the other thing you know what's beautiful about fdi i mean i love being up here i'm in north Georgia at my uh, my property up here but I, I, at fdic we're like in a fishbowl so we're surrounded by glass while we're doing it. And people are coming by and they're, they're lifting their shirts up and stuff, and they're it was just wonderful. not girls of course it's just the gay guys, but it, it was it, it was uh, that dynamic adds a lot to it, especially being there. But this is going to be real fun too. So what do you want to start with, bro?
1: Well, I tell you what. First of all, I love looking at you and where you're at right now, man. I got to tell you, you make retirement look really good. And it just, I got six and a half years left, I think in my drop and just, yeah, you know what, just stop showing, stop showing the background. It's just making me it even more. But, but, but it, it's good to see that even though you're still busy as all heck, you know, doing all kinds of things, you know, you're, you're, you're at that retirement spot where we all eventually want to be at. And that is kind of what a part of this conversation is today. In other words, how to navigate this career so that when you do retire, you're you're stable. You're balanced. You have you know you have other things you want to do, and so on and so forth. That you're able to disconnect or get involved in something else, or a chapter closes, and another one opens up. So it's wonderful to see you where you're at. And I love looking at the pictures in the background, man. It, it's a good way to it's a positive way to start this thing, man. Um. So yeah, there were so many things we had got done talking about uh, during that the last talk, and I found myself as I was taking my own notes just saying, oh, I want to go further with this, or, oh, we need to talk about that more, or, oh, he said this statement, and that could be a whole hour talk on its own. But what I wanted to kind of start with this was, and I kind of mentioned it at at the intro, but for everybody that is listening that maybe doesn't know you as well, everybody seems to have like a a special niche within the fire service, a niche, whatever. Uh, For some, it's firefighting, for some, it's a focus on leadership. You've definitely occupied this resiliency space for some time. Where did that come from, and what is the origin story of all that?
2: Okay, so it was, um, it, was, it, was it was, born out of necessity. Um, I was at a point in my life where, um, you know, I, I, I want to preface it with letting you know where I had been sober for, well, coming up on next month will be 36 years of sobriety, but I had been sober at the time. I was probably uh, 19 20 years sober and 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 uh, it, there was a divorce and but it wasn't just the divorce it was I thought that I was managing all the stuff that I was going through really well and it showed up as an anxiety where I couldn't keep my mask on my face and it got worse from there where I was waking up at 3:30 almost every morning 330 quarter quarter to four in the morning and um, I I I had lost, uh, my, my emotional balance. I either knew joy or I knew just deep sadness, like a sorrow. It was, uh, it was really, and I couldn't focus my thoughts. So I thought I was losing my mind. And, uh, it was, that's when I was diagnosed with PTSD. It was, it was, and, and this is important because my foundation was my family. So when my, because of the divorce, my foundation gets rocked, my entire world starts to collapse. And that's where my faith actually, that was the lesson that taught me that if my foundation is not my faith, it doesn't matter what I do because it's not it's not sustainable. And so I have faced a lot of adversity since then. Um, uh, cancer, and uh, and when the cancer hit me, the first thing I thought was I, I kind of cocked my head and I was looking upward and I was like, "All right, where are you taking me, bro? Where where is this going? What are we doing now? You know?" And and um, it, it didn't it didn't even scare me because I, I you know I I don't know maybe it's maybe it's just firemen. We know it's not if it's when and what type you know of cancer. Uh, we're just exposed to so much stuff and only to find out that our, our it's in our gear. It's it's So anyways, that opened a door for me to working with people with cancer. Um, when I was at the hospital, I, I met, I, I made some connections at the hospital and worked with some people at the hospital. Um, and when I mean worked with people, I mean just being a, you know how sometimes all you need is just a brother or a sister to listen to you, um, and and just to just to have that ear to talk to and to to be able to be intimate and share things, and not worry about being judged. Um, that happened at the hospital, and I, and I I really they don't know me right. But I don't care. I mean I work with fire service, bro. Really, you think you're gonna hurt me? I've been divorced once, married a second time. I got six kids, nine grandchildren. I got more dogs and animals and responsibilities. You can't hurt me by saying whatever it is you're gonna say about what I'm gonna say, you know? I know um, I used to worry about that a lot, but that's where it was born from. It was born from that being diagnosed with PTSD to coming to that point. And um, when I got to that point, did you wanna say hello to anybody? My wife's right here. Say hi to Steve. Say hi to Steve. Hey, how are you? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so, so when when all of that happened and I was diagnosed, I wasn't sure what to do because I can't keep a mask on my face. So I reached out to some. Uh, I actually reached out to a military psychologist. That's my wife. Got this. <laughs> Um. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I get to uh, I'm, I'm speaking to uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, and um he helps me come up with some ideas, make some introductions, and those introductions led me to Gavin DeBecker, and um Andy Walsh, um and there's another Andy too. I can't remember his name. Anyways. All these men—they led me back to sports psychologists, and that's what got me started in um, being able to develop this course that I'm currently doing, which is what, uh, which is what led to writing the book. Uh, because we did the class first, it's what helped me come back as close to whole as possible. Uh, back. To and it's what you know it's what grounded me it's what got my sanity back i mean i had to learn a lot of stuff so right. everything that's in the book is stuff that i had to do to come back to whole right in order for me to come back to whole and so that worked and we started uh i started doing certain exercises right uh like you know in the maze and um, breathing techniques and body positioning and breathing through body positioning, uh, meditating, uh, mental rehearsals. I started doing visualizations. Um, I started doing immersion stuff where you kind of float in a pool and just, you know, meditate. I was doing, uh, I was doing stuff to improve my, uh, my VO two max. So I'm, I'm running underwater holding a rock and and as holding my breath as long as i can um and and at the beach of course not at my pool but um it, and i started doing all the stuff and that's where that's where it all evolved from that's where the book came from that's where the classes came from all of that stuff came from that and I, I never it was never an intentional thing it was just it was out of necessity i, mm-hmm. I had 10 more years that i had to do and um and i was able yeah. to do it you know um it wasn't easy but hey nothing in the fire service is easy bro you're looking no, for easy, it was I easy. recommend Everybody, you get a job at a grocery store, bagging groceries, because that's easy, all right? Putting up with people shit at a grocery store is one thing. Putting up with people shit in a fire service, completely different animal. That's a, yep. it's a difficult job, hard, dirty work, man. But I love it. Best job in
0: the damn world. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information.
1: He is, man. And, you know, you started this off with some pretty powerful statements, and I love that we're talking about resiliency because I, I do think it's one of those things, whether you're brand new or, or, or well in the career, you need to be considering that and need to be ready for some of these challenges. But I, I think that one of the most profound things you just said is that you thought you were managing. You, you had thought you were managing correctly and you didn't realize that you weren't. And that that's profound. I mean, for a guy that was already thinking about it, to think you're doing something and it's not working, that's how many people do we know that maybe think or perceive that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just fine when they're not. And having that culture or people around them to maybe maybe wake them up. To hey, actually, you're not. Let me let me you know help you. Let me direct you to the right. Spot, whatever, but at least the realization. So I think I was a I was a powerful start. Um, and, and the other thing is, you put a lot of work in, in, into the book, into all the stuff you, you do right now in the course. Oh yeah, and that's profound. Because the, the, you research like you're supposed to research for articles and books and writing, you're not just winging it. You, you put the work in with the, with the with the cats that you were doing this with. And that not only provided good stuff that's relevant, it helps you stay relevant to feel the pulse of the people that are maybe newer to the service. And it gives you that ground to start the conversation. Being that relevant keeps you in the mix. And it's it's stuff that, it's not everybody's passion, but the, those that, it's not their passion to have somebody that is passionate about it and has done the research and can show you, where they cited things where they referred things from that's that's crucial man so i think we all benefit from the tremendous amount of research you've done and dumped into all the content you put out there so that's 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 i'm glad we're starting there um,
2: yeah that's 12 years of research by the way yeah
1: that's that's it's no joke years. Right. It's not,
2: you know i've had i've thrown away stacks of research Because I wanted to keep it because I'm like, oh, somebody challenged me. I'm going to need it. I'm like, let them do the research. I'll cite it, tell you where you can find it. You do the research, man. I already did it once. You know, it worked for me. So that's the whole point. None of the stuff that I do is stuff that I haven't done myself. The the relevance Mm -hmm. of it, you use that word, is that it made me whole. It worked for me, and I've watched it work for countless others.
1: Yep. And, and, and how many times do we, we, we have the ability to really research and credentialize and do our work to uh, make sure that people that are writing articles, doing research, doing work, whatever, are actually practicing what they teach, come with that pedigree, are doing what they're doing. And that's important is you want people that are not only into it, but have done it. Um, whether it's, you know, like for me. it's we have the ability to curate those instructors or those those voices out there these days so it's it's important that people know that people we have the ability to make sure we can find the source of it
2: um let's be i want to piggyback on that real quick the the so the immersion class that i do right Mm -hmm. uh the instructors that i have there's typically 10 other instructors in there every one of them have been through exactly what you're talking about. They have been through the mix. They've been through the grinder. Everybody gets their turn in the barrel, man. I don't care who you are. They've all been through it and come out the other side. So this class, and we'll talk more about this topic of how it uh, kind of cross-pollinates from performance training into your personal life. Um, We'll talk about that later because I know you've got some questions that that are going to lead to that. But I just want to point out that every one of the instructors that helps teach this immersion class, it's not a class that you can just decide to, to put on, yeah. you know, you can read the book, but if you don't have the instructors to be able to deliver the information that understand it in context, then the, the possibility of you creating more damage or mm-hmm. creating training scars is... Is very it's uh, it could be very significant you could end somebody's career
3: like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken in feel on the very first wear flexible comfortable and powered with the strength of enforced technology flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move to learn more visit tencadafabrics.com slash flex seven flex seven powered by enforced technology only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics.
1: That's a good point too. Speaking of that, so the book that you co authored with Dave Gillespie and, and, and Bob Carver, developing firefighter resiliency, you know, that came out in 2019. So it's about uh, f- uh, almost four ish years old. So since its release, you know what have your conversations been like with uh, firefighters what has been the response uh, what further work is needed for us to understand this topic
2: oh it's crazy man i can't go out in the public without people asking for my autograph and all kinds of crazy no i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> um firemen are a tough group bro um and and we don't buy into stuff like you know johnny come lately crap um If if it's not if it doesn't look cool and it's not sexy, it's a tough sell. Mm. Um, If you can't see the results immediately, it's a tough sell. The unfortunate part is, there's enough brothers and sisters out there that have suffered and continue to suffer that they're willing to try anything to get past it. So, I think when book came out most people didn't expect it to be a book like the book is so the book explains a lot of techniques and it 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 shows from class development and the laws of learning to visualization and segmenting and self-talk about meditation about breathing exercises the neuroscience behind it how to incorporate biometrics all this other stuff right it gets very very complex but the, the the point is is that that information when how do put this when firemen come and talk to me and they're like oh yeah I read your book man that was uh, that was really cool and I'm thinking to myself was it really cool because uh, you know we made it it's only it's under 200 pages it's on softback it's a small book it's affordable you know um, it's a lot of research. And the reason that we had to approach it from that perspective was because if you were going to understand i had to challenge the fire service's ego with regards to training efficiency and if i didn't do that and I, my information was not solid i was going to be a freaking punching bag you know and i don't know about anybody else but i don't like to look like a fool i mean the few times well The many times that I've ended up looking like a fool was by sheer accident. It wasn't, you know, yeah, I've been sober, but with all due respect to alcohol, I've done some extremely stupid shit sober, you know. And when you make yourself a target, you better damn well be sure that you've got your information straight, Mm. you know, and and we do. So we were able to challenge a lot of things. And not only that, using the biometrics, which is, you know, your heart rate, your respiratory rate, your blood pressure, your temperature, all that stuff. We can show the changes. We can substantiate what it is that we're saying real time. So it's kind of hard to argue with facts like that. Look, so we teach guys how to breathe. Then we teach them breathing positions. And then we, after we do that, we show them a little technique with the wheel on the bottle, right? So then we tell them, now you're going to extend your 1,000 PSI on the old bottles, right? 1,000 PSI of your emergency air, which typically will go anywhere from 6 to 20 minutes, depending on lung capacity and how, f- how fast you breathe, without utilizing a breathing technique. Then we're going to incorporate the breathing technique and this wheel technique that, that robs the air from the pneumatic safety systems that we have built into place, and we use it for breathing. So essentially, in a nutshell, we're taking a positive pressure equipment and turning it into negative pressure equipment, utilizing a breathing technique sheltered in place, and you're extending a thousand PSI to 60 to 82 minutes. Hmm. So I don't give a shit who you are and what your degree is. Argue with that, because the truth is it works, you know, and we were trying to, to do a research paper on this, but that's just not my lane. There's other people that do that. You know, I I just, I look, I look for results because that's what we are. You know, we're an action-based society. That's what we do. We just take action. So if something works, I'm going to do it. You know,
4: breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com.
1: It, it, and I appreciate that. It's it's one of those things where it's, I imagine that right after the book came out, there was was those conversations. You're having more of them because it did come out. So it drove people to, to seek you out and have further, uh, you know, to dive deeper into that topic. And it's an important topic. And I think that's what I wanted to talk about next is, you know, as we talk about some of the new folk coming on these days in terms of, what they're going to have to deal with with the fire service including everything you know, in terms of our, our trouble we're having with recruitment and retention trouble getting people into the fire service in general you know and then we have when they're here trying to get them to so I won't use the word survive but I don't know navigate through this journey as a firefighter for anywhere between 20 25 30 or even more years what are some things that We should be focusing on our folk, too, as they start this career in terms of making them resilient or giving them ability to properly process everything that they're going to see. What are your thoughts on that?
2: (laughs) So. um, Let me let me let me start with a quote, and I can't remember who said it. But it's some guy somewhere is my hero. I don't know your name, but I'd love to take you out to lunch one day and burn a fatty, right? One of these. When I say fatty, um, I, don't, I do not indulge in the other anymore. Um, it said, nobody calls 911 and says, send me a dumbass fireman in a pickup truck. Now, in three minutes, they want five brain surgeons, decathlon athletes, and rocket scientists to come and solve their problems. So,
1: Chief Eversole, out of Chicago, Chief Eversole,
2: is that who it was? Yes. Unbelievable! What, what? A, the freaking all-time mic drop, freaking statement, right? So, the fire service. I took some notes here. Uh, when the air pack first came out, there was some transitioning into that. You know, um, most guys thought it was a sign of weakness using this air pack, all this other stuff. Well, now you don't go nowhere without an air pack. It's the same with hoods. Oh, I got to know my ears are burning, this and that. Look, I get it. There's merit to everything. But everybody wears a hood now. You know, and not only that, we've started changing our policy. When a hood gets dirty, we don't wash it. We, we exchange it for a clean one. Not all departments, but that was the department I came from. Um, and then what happens? You know, now we end up merging EMS with fire and both of them, End up like it's a contentious marriage. It's hard work, just like any other marriage is, right? But it, it was it was out of necessity, and and they're both surviving. So from there, look look at active shooter. So now active shooter rolls around. Now you're getting Kevlar, you're getting helmets, and some departments are issuing sidearms, and you're going up when the lead is flying, bro. Um, and so there's there's an adaptation that the fire service has always taken on. Um. So now, when people are are struggling with stuff, you're you're going to become part. You're going to have to do research. You're going to have to take classes, and the fire service is going to have to get a hold of this and and start running the lead dog on this because if we don't start teaching our people about neuroscience and how the brain works and and how, um, you know, how, how we either set ourselves up for success or failure long before we even take action on anything, right? If we don't start explaining about the need to be part neuroscience researcher and psychologist at the same time to understand certain behaviors, then we're screwed. Um, You know, you're not going to be very effective and you stand a good chance of being scarred, if not worse. So what I'm talking, about is you know there's eq there's iq and and there's sq you know and iq is all about you know emotional intelligence it's about intelligence period so you're gonna have to be that guy that understands stuff you're gonna have to educate yourself you know the eq is about emotional intelligence you know and the emotional regulation that's necessary. You have to be able to, to pick out patterns of behaviors for yourself. Um, what are your motivations? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, learning to name your emotions and stuff. All this shit sounds childish, right? But listen, this is all part of a balance. We're talking about our people going through a career. Our statistics for suicide are terrible. But on the other side, the, the people that survive is even greater. OK, mm-hmm. so it's, it's like, don't let that define you. Understand that there are people that are doing things correct and they're doing it right. Mm. Um, so so one of the one of the stumbling blocks that we come across is like when you said when, when I had talked about, I thought that I was good. Right. Well, how do you know when it's not good? Well, we don't know. So maladaptive behavior for me was that, you know, I would talk about things. I would acknowledge that, yeah, it's difficult and, yeah, it's hard. I had a routine where I would come home. I would go to the gym. I would work out. I would come back. I would shower. I would eat. I would take a nap and try to normalize and then interact with my family. Mm. Now, I have to put myself first like that because otherwise the guy that shows up is not a very stable guy. And he's thinking very irrationally. Mm -hmm. And that comes from the backlash Mm -hmm. of the adrenal dump and everything else. Because when you go to work, you're, you're getting, you're you're programming yourself and you're getting ready to go because you don't know what you're going to run that day. You got to be ready for everything, man. I mean, if we're honest and you think about it, it can be anywhere from helping Mrs. Jones get her groceries up the elevator, right. Or into her apartment on the fucking fifth floor. And there is no elevator. Um, You could, you could, it could be a, a, a signal for somewhere near a canal in Florida, where we got alligators everywhere. There's just so many things to juggle on that scenario alone. Then you're looking at fires. Anywhere from a residential fire to a commercial, to an industrial fire, to a big box fire. We, we There's a number of things that you can run. You got a plane crash. You got all kinds of shit that, that our job requires us to be on and ready for so many things that at the end of your shift, you're excited to go home. But when you get home, you're like, oh, and everybody's excited and you're going at a different gear and you have just geared down. So it sounds like noise, you know, but it's not noise. That's normal life. It's the effect that it has on us. And this is where the IQ and the EQ comes in. And I, I talked about the SQ. I created that, by the way. I made that shit up. I don't know if SQ even exists, but that's your spiritual quality, quality of life. Right. Um. And and spiritual and intellect, right? So there's there's things that we these intangible principles that we utilize. We call them virtues, right? There's there's honesty, there's courage, there's temperance, honor, vigilance, sacrifice, willingness. All of these things. The list goes on. It doesn't. It's not just a, just use this. Our book opens with that because those things are the foundation of character, and character is the foundation of leadership. And whether you're on the job and you're an informal leader or a leader by rank, when you leave and you go home, I hope to God you are leading your family as well. And I hope you're leading them down a good path. Not only that, but yourself. So those three principles that we just discussed are all internal. None of them are external. Everything is internal from the way that I think to how it makes me feel from the emotion and where, how I run those thoughts past my moral principles, right? Morality is nothing more than what's right and what's wrong, right? All the all the right, all the good, you know? Because temptation comes for Rick George, left and right by the truckload. And if I don't surround myself with other like-minded men, which leads to that social question about who are you hanging out with? Because, you know, as easily as I can tell you what you're... De- Department values, just show me their hiring and their promotional process, I'll show you what they value. I can tell you what you value in your personal life by the people that you hang out with. So those those three principles are a thing that that the the EQ, the IQ, the EQ, and the SQ, those three principles are the things that are foundational for us that helps you with the maladaptive. Because while I thought I was managing I didn't until I was full. And then it came to me to the realization through the, the thought of what's wrong with you? Right. Well, everything that I was doing was not working for me. It, it wasn't because it was maladaptive. We got alcohol. We've got substance abuse. I didn't have either of those two. Right. You got women. You got violence. You got uh, dishonesty in every level. Um, and, and so there are things that, that we do. Let's just go out and we'll go get a couple of drinks, we'll unwind, we'll relax this and that. Yeah, that's great. That, that's not a bad thing. But if that is your solution, every time something bad drops, I got news for you. You're not dealing with whatever it is that's causing you unpleasantness. And we're not here to be comfortable. We're here to work our asses off. And this is what the work looks like. And the reason is because when you do get the opportunity to relax and enjoy comfort, you value it even even more. You see it in your family. You see it in you. But all of those things, back back to what we were talking about, all those things, it's an inside job, man. Everything's internal because that affects the external world. Our society's got it backwards. We think the external world affects the internal. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like you could have a huge house. You could have all the money in the world, people that love you because you got money and you pay for everything but you know what? You're hollow. And so that's the difference between being successful and being fulfilled. You're never going to be fulfilled until you go through the internal and it affects the external.
4: Seconds count when responding to an emergency minutes, save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its fire and EMS solution, user-friendly complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergency com. So, you, I'm
1: you, gonna shut
2: up because that's a lot to unpack.
1: But you you bring up a lot of good points, and I, I love that you started this with a couple of things you know, that EMS and fire is like a contentious marriage. And I think we, we it's just me in the South Florida area, we know that. Uh, but you know, most, <laughs> most of you that are coming into this, they know it. They, they, when they get on the job, they're gonna be doing both, you know. So one of the things that we're trying to do i know in our area is making sure they understand one we're upfront and honest with them about what they should expect from this job like yes you'll be running a lot of calls yes a good portion of those will be medical but there's also the the thing you said that i thought was important was the focusing on those who are doing it right that's that's a great start because as much as there's stress there's people that are going through a lot there are more that are going through it in the right way, that they're positively dealing and navigating through all this, that they're learning to mitigate the stress. And we should be focusing on the positives. Hey, hey look at this guy, he's doing it right. What is he doing to deploy that? What is he doing to balance the stress? And the other thing you said is the transition from shift to home. And I remember we talked about this at, at, the, at the conference. We were talking about how we dump all this energy like the conference, for example, and you're there for this thing time you're away from your family so yeah you're you're dumping all this energy all this great conversation when you go home and the 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 analogy is the same whether it's shift or a conference or a seminar or whatever when you go home there's that oh I'm, i'm tired i just got i'm exhausted from the shift i'm exhausted from the experience of the conference whatever yet when you go home your family has not seen you 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 may be exhausted but your family is like well wait a minute while you were gone i had to to handle everything at home so now i need you to step up and you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm tired. So you have to be cognizant of of all of that. That the needs of the family, the needs of home, the needs of your friends, the needs of your children, the people that are, are close to you on the outside. So there has to be that balance. But it's important and-
2: Let's do the let's do the let's do the real quick. Let me interrupt you. Let's do the, the IQ EQ SQ real quick. Mm-hmm. So on that example. So when you come home. My first thought was when my family was coming at me was like, Jesus, could you guys just shut up and just give me some room? Let me breathe. You know, you're not know, gonna believe what I just came back from. You know, no. Right. So, so the the IQ is okay. They sound kind of needy. What do you think that's based from? Goes to the EQ. It's from love, and so the spiritual aspect is like, oh yeah, I'm married. I'm, I'm married, so I, I got some vows involved in this. And and I'm actually loved by these people in a way that nobody else is ever gonna love. Yep, yep. Them, you know? And do I look at it like that? Absolutely not. Why? Because my irrational mind is in control at the point. At this point. The sympathetic nervous system has been up and running for so long that that it, it doesn't it doesn't unwind or shut off sometimes. And we recognize it as hypervigilance. Mm. So it's hard. It's hard to get to that point, though. That's a that's a really that's a big trip up for, for a lot of people. And and, it, and it, it takes actual time and energy to to compose that in such a way. And who wants to do that when they just got off shift? And they're yeah. like, man, I don't want to work anymore. You know, I just want to just, I just want to gel. I want to relax. I want to unwind. I want to decompress, whatever that looks like. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. Not really, but that's what people say when they interrupt people, stuff. So.
1: <laughs> no, I, I I think that hypervigilance is also a, a key term there. The that, that fact that we're on, we're on for those 24 hours. We're, we're constantly, oh, yeah. you know, aroused like the what you said. The for how
2: many years? Yeah. For how many years? Yeah, I how remember. Do get, how do you get, how do you learn how to force a door? Repetition. Yep. How do you take a top off a building, read a building? I see 360s, recognize, you know, deficiencies, repetition. And through the years, this repeated thing for this hypervigilance and brother, it's a monster. Yeah. It's a well, monster.
1: Well, let's, let's transition there to, you know, we're talking about you know the newer firefighters and, and what they need to know about uh, what we're talking about here. But, you know, let's talk about the ones that have been on the job for a while. And that may seem like they're struggling. And where I'm, where I'm going with this is, you know, we talk about resiliency over the course of career. And I remember reading um, Travis house book. Um, it was, um, uh, what was the name of his book again? It was Create Your Own Light. And I remember reading, in fact, I wrote it down because I, I, I always keep it with me. It, Travis's book, he put down, because remember, he went through a series of PTSD after the Charleston 9 or whatever. Oh, yeah. His book is amazing. But one of the things he had said was in the book, and I actually called him and asked him about this. One of the things he put in the book was after presenting countless red flags with no one ever pulling me to the side to ask, Travis, are you okay? I was done. And that spoke to me in such a way that I actually called him and I go, Hey man, just want to break that down for a second. Are you saying that if someone would have asked you while you were going through this, that that would have changed the trajectory of, of maybe your path. And he goes, Steve, that's why I do this. That's why I teach. That's why I present this way. Cause yes. And I think about that in terms of the people that have been on for a while that maybe struggling, maybe dealing with a lot, you know, what do they need? And sometimes it's someone just to like, what, like you were saying, maybe just to be there, maybe to listen, or maybe to ask a question. Say, "Hey, how are things going? You look like you're stressed. What, what's going on?" To be that person that just opens the door if you recognize it. Because we rec- we work with people, we know them better than sometimes their own family knows them. Sometimes, so if we see them struggling, it's our duty to, to ask the question to open the door. But so, in terms of those people that are on for a while, what are your thoughts on their resilience? What do they need
2: to know? <laughs> And if only there was a book that somebody could read that could take them step by step through some stuff, you know, that could support it with research that, you know, and experiential learning. If only there was a book. Now, there is actually several books. When we wrote our book, I had to challenge the fire services ego. Right. Because there's no way. That if we wrote a book on look man you know you got to take it easy and this no because it's this softer easier path and whatnot at least the idea that it was mm-hmm. but i believe that that book counter is the counterbalance to allow people like uh, jada hudson to write her book for travis to write his book because it's about mental health in the fire service And so what we teach with regards to performance, it's the same stuff with the mental health side. So if that's three books right there that could empower people to be able to, okay, what are you going to do? Because if you're going to ask somebody, hey, bro, are you all right? You better have some freaking solutions before you ask. You better think about this because they're going to go, no, bro, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about blowing my brains out and taking 50,000 people with me in the process. Oh shit, it's a little too late for you to go Oh damn, I wish, you know, put that Back in my mouth again, we call it a black Marble, they live back here And boom, they fall out every once in a while You go chasing it around, trying to take it back But once it's out, it's out You know, so you better have Some responses for that black marble When it drops Hey bro, you okay? No man, I'm not I'm thinking about taking my life Well how you feeling right now? Are you you thinking about taking your life right now? And the reason I'm asking you is Cause I can't, I can't allow you to do that, bro. Mm -hmm. I love you, man. I mean, you the world to me, you know, if you got to lie, lie, I don't care. Just whatever. And, and what you're doing is you're trying to gain trust in a person that doesn't have any hope. Mm -hmm. And when you're living hopeless, I don't give a shit what you got to do to instill trust, but you have to instill trust to be able to take that person back to the light which is what Travis is talking about, yeah, yeah. you know, taking him back there. If I remember correctly, Travis also did a couple tours overseas mm-hmm. and came back into the fires. He was a cop too, I think. So mm-hmm. that man's experienced more than his share. I think, you know, Charleston was, I think Charleston lit the candle. The cake was there. It was iced and uh, the candle was lit and, and um, now he's in full bloom, yeah. you know. So uh, I know he's that- fun- He's a, he's a funny guy, too, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a part of this is also the social aspect of what we do. There's something else we talked about uh, a while back, the fact that we are social creatures. We desire to be in a social uh, context. We desire conversations, be around other people. In general, we are, like you said, social creatures. So uh, I, I'd like to kind of open that up a little bit, too. In other words, I think that that, that deserves some talking. So in, in, from your perspective, um, in the terms of what we do right and maybe where we need work in the terms of the social context of where we stand in the fire service. What do we do right? Are some, let's start with the positive. What do we do right that we should continue to uh, deploy, to to model? What do we do right of
2: social influences? So, um, one of the, I think that adaptation is the one thing the fire service does. Right. It doesn't always embrace the solutions, but it, if, if, it's shown in the proper context, right. Where you have got people like, you know, and I keep mentioning Jada and I forget her husband's name. Do you remember his name? I don't. Any, anyhow, he's not a little dude. He's a physical dude. Um, And the same with Travis and the same with myself. So I take advantage of that because I want people to understand that I don't care what you look like. It comes for everybody. So one of the things that the fire service does is it adapts to things and it adapts well. Is it reactive? Is it proactive? Who gives a shit? As long as you're adjusting and adapting, sometimes we have to see our own Um, what would you call them? Our own shortcomings before you can actually fix them, right? You have to experience that failure. And then you go, holy crap, I didn't see that coming, you know? All right, well, what do I do and how do I prepare for that in the future? And so that has been a slow wheel that's turning. Um, We hear a lot about Uh, the millennials and whatnot and how anything to do with a phone or a computer or this and that. Yeah, well, you know what? Everybody brings a skill set and that skill set allows them to be able to research this information and, and be able to vet people very, very quickly. Not only that, they get to educate themselves by going in there and digging around and doing stuff that guys like me had to learn how to do. These guys grew up with that stuff. So they're so much more proficient at it Don't knock them because of that. Embrace what they bring and find a way to put that in, right? Because the fire service is about adapting, right? We adapt, we overcome. That's a great freaking saying, but it doesn't mean shit. It's just poetry if you really don't utilize it. If you don't implement those things and learn how to become adaptive and solution-based, right, it, yes, it's important to identify the problem. It's even more important to identify at least two or three solutions to that problem, right? We got plan A, plan B, and plan C. Um, we know that that there's certain things that don't work. Alcohol is not a solution. It's a good recreational tool. It's a good way to unwind and have fun, but it is not a solution yeah, base. Sure. Um, so so, so I, I think that now... You know, and, and, and none of this, let me just put this out there. None of this is the fire service's fault. The fire service was doing what the fire service does. And what I mean by that is the men that were involved in this, that's what they were taught. And that's what they did. Well, neuroscience steps in, opens the door. We start to see how the brain actually changes. We start to keep stats. We start to recognize divorce rates and violent behavior and the way that our members are dying 10 years after they retire. Hey, listen, here's a freaking secret. It's not cancer that's killing everybody. It's alcohol. It's substance abuse. It's loneliness. It's sadness. It's suicide. It's all of the above. Right. So I think that the fire service now sees this information out there. It's science. It's vetted. Right. No different than, you know, flow paths. I've used that example a million times when that information first came out in the wrong hands and in the wrong brains. That, that, that's dangerous. But the old timers look at it and go, well, yeah, it makes sense. We've been doing that shit for years. Science finally vetted what it was that we were doing. Well, science is finally exposing and showing us how the maladaptive behaviors aren't working and how the adaptive behaviors will help you overcome that. So, for example, as a human being gets older, we lose neuroplasticity. The brain's ability to be able to absorb information and grow and change, right? The old saying, an old dog can't learn new tricks. No, an old dog can learn new tricks. You have to be patient, and it takes many, many repetitions. Why? Because it's an old dog, and it learned how to do something a specific way, and to overcome it, it takes time. It takes patience. It takes vigilance, and it takes perseverance. And so all of those things... Oh shit! Those are virtues. See, that's why it's the first chapter in our book. You have to understand what the words mean. If you want to know further on that, I hear Aaron Fields is doing a phenomenal class on language and communication in the fire service and why words are so important. Mm. So, and and Aaron has a freaking phenomenal way to be able to relate to the audience and get his information and material out there. He's a freaking genius. Um, anyways. So understanding <laughs> that the fire service is now starting to wrap its brain around this and catch up to it um, and be able to do things, they're implementing things. Oh, like what, Rick? That's a great question, Steve. I'm glad you asked. So the things like peer support, like resilience training, things like um, CISM and, and the deficiencies and the efficiencies that all of those things have and how to approach our people. Um, EAP, where now the the providers are not just family therapists, but trauma certified. Where these people are psychologists, also not just a therapist, a psychologist, because the psychiatrist is going to give you meds, he's going to give you drugs, and he's going to say, "Here, take these. This is going to work." Not all of them, but the real good ones work on the internal stuff, right? they the the new umbrella study that came out shows that depression is a learned. It's a it, it's actually it, the medication doesn't work it has nothing to do with serotonin uptake it has it has everything to do with what it is that you tell yourself mm-hmm. so they have just recognized it as a cognitive behavioral therapy right thinking it's a, it's a talk therapy cure you know all of these things that are coming out and then all of the support from the people that are out in the field doing it from you know aaron and 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 jada and freaking uh, damn it what's his name i am gotten old timers guy just you were just talking about travis and all of these other people right and you doing this podcast john spira doing the fit to fight fire based on faith family and 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 the job and and, and stuff like that you know um, you know firemanship is coming back in illinois and it's going to be based on the same thing so all of these foundational techniques are, are coming out now and it's being supported around the fire service i was in wichita and and it gets 600 firemen doing meditation you know and and we open with prayer you know we close with prayer you know and, and, and it's not uh it's not a oh ooh you know you're gonna I don't know what the fear around that is. Jesus Christ, you run into buildings where the roaches and the rats are running out and you're scared of faith. Get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, put your ego in check. Just understand that we're all in the same boat. And that's what the fire service, I think, is doing well now. It's got representatives out there that recognize these things and they're moving the needle forward. And, you know, it's a Bobby Halton used to say it all the time. Fire service like an aircraft carrier. It turns, but it turns real slow, you know, yeah. and, and that's what we are, man. We're an aircraft carrier and we're turning slow And that. Those are the things I think the fire service is doing well oh, amongst other things. Right. I mean, we're coming out with, you know, the typical tactics stuff, you know, EV, you know, lithium ion batteries, huge problems. Huge problem, you know, and and we know some of the guys that are on the state task force that are leading tip of the spear stuff for this, you know, so we continue to adapt tactically. But I think the the larger part and the IFF is actually behind it, too, which I never thought you never thought I'd have those words come out of my mouth. But, um, you know, with regards to, you know, our people's freaking condition, their internal condition, their mental health, their emotional health, their spiritual health. All of those things. So that that's we're doing a lot of good. Um it's just it's slow, bro. It's slow going, you know, it's molasses on a winter's day. It's mm-hmm. tough.
1: No, I think you I think you you mentioned and that leads into the second part of this question, but you mentioned embracing like the new guys when they come in. And I think that term embracing the new people, that's important, not just that classic, oh my gosh, they don't have the same skill set that I had when I started, but instead realize that two things. One, that's an opportunity. To teach them something maybe they don't know and then become like a mentor or a person that's now impacted their life in such a way that wasn't like part of the expectation. So there's opportunities there with those people that perhaps don't have the skill set that once was there. That's, that's not a, a bad thing. That's an opportunity. It's also the opportunity to begin a dialogue, to begin the, the conversation, to start that relationship that maybe they need they need more relationships in the fire service to help them balance and a variety a diverse uh, level of relationships as they traverse this career so i'm glad you started with that and i I love that you you talked about things like neuroscience and neuroplasticity because yeah it does age for example does affect it over time but whether you're reading your books or the books that are out there or uh, carol dweck's mindset you know there are opportunities to change mindset, regardless of age. It, it can be done, and that's what all the latest science is showing. And it's wonderful. Um, and I love that you should all know about, like peer support EAP. I'll be honest; I come from an area. We come from an area where we have a very good school system down in the South
2: And bro, you go home and you've got EAP. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Okay. <laughs> Right. She's of, in the other I'm room. talking to Mr. Shaw. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know.
1: But but I think about EAP, and I think this goes to a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of support, unless, and I'm not saying that if you, you should just call EAP to use EAP, but EAP is oftentimes an acronym, and that's all if you've never used it or at least know more about it. Once you've actually pulled the trigger and deployed it and used it, like many of us have, it's different. It's like oh this is real this is what it looks like and it becomes more of a instead of a check in the box to offer somebody it becomes hey no no listen this is a resource let me explain why so i would offer to the people listening out there that even if the people out there that are going through some sort of struggle whatever it's not a bad thing to maybe deploy that tactic to use that if they've never used it before it's in a it's the way i i attribute it it's almost like the the mental version the mental health version of working out You get somebody to talk to. You get somebody to kind of reframe and recalibrate you, and you get the experience of what that actually looks like. So, anyway, sometimes,
2: sometimes it's it's sometimes it's not EAP, and you having to go out and find somebody to talk to. Whether you got to pay for it out of pocket or what, I want to hear about how much it costs, okay? Because you spend that much in a weekend drinking and partying. Okay. Okay. So, and the reason I say that is because in our area, EAP is typically supported by the union. if you go alone, you get, you get all the HIPAA, all the HIPAA qualities, right? They can't share that with your department, but in a lot of departments around the country, it's based out of HR. And when HR is involved, they have to report everything Mm-hmm. So it can be punitive. It, you can lose your job by going to take care of yourself. And I understand this. I'm not, it's, I don't want to be insensitive about it, you know, but if you can't trust your EAP, then go find somebody on your health insurance plan and pay the deductible, pay the copay, whatever. It, it's going to be worth it. You know, um, you'll you'll find people. It's becoming more and more prevalent, you know,
1: 100 percent. And that's a it's a beautiful thing too that has become more accepted. It's becoming the norm, and that's a beautiful thing. Especially as you're starting this career, to know that it's one okay to reach out. It's okay to express how you're feeling. Knowing these resources that are available, it's so great that it's accepted. And that that's the start. Um. So let me drift into some of these other things. You know, as we were talking about this concept, you know, I was talking to Chief Halton years ago about that tactical takeaway part of this, and. The fact that you know, regardless of what we talked about, maybe it tactically takeawayable or deployable. So, in terms of practical ways we can deploy resilience, what are some things that come to your mind?
2: Breathing, um, man. I have uh, I have been involved in some kind of martial training my entire life. It started with wrestling as a kid, moved into judo. Uh, moved into Muay Thai and boxing. Uh, It moved into jujitsu. And all of them would say the same thing, breathe, breathe. But nobody taught me how to breathe. So you want to learn how to breathe? Come to my class at FDIC. It's It's an hour 45 lecture. It's called the warrior's breath or something goofy like that. I can't recall what it is. And I think it's on a, I don't even think they've come out with the dates yet for the classes. Have they? No. Okay. So it, it, it'll be either Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Um, and, and, and we'll talk because I'm not going to take up all of our time talking about breathing, but breathing is the key. It's everything. Hmm. It, it is a neural hack. When, when somebody upsets you and you breathe, you can go you're, it, homeostasis occurs. It, 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 it lowers heart rate, blood pressure, and respiratory rate. It allows you to think clearly because when somebody says something and hits one of your triggers, one of your buttons, um, one of your stuck points, whatever, a nerve, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the response is emotional. Take a deep breath. Mom used to say it all the time or Nana, Grandma, Grandpa, whoever, you know, take a deep breath, count to 10 before you respond to anything i mean it's been it's been in our family forever i, I didn't understand what it meant i thought it was bullshit you know yeah, but it's true right and and so the breath is one takeaway it's one big takeaway what you tell yourself rumination right and and that that iq that self-talk is another big one you need to challenge that yeah. stuff you know does it work has it worked is this what's got me sitting in, in a you know a pre-termination hearing, or or am I getting promoted because my my processing is proper? Um, all of those things are important. Um, I'm, and there's more. You know, you can go into meditation. You can do visualizations, mental rehearsals, imagery. Um, there there is uh, there there's a number of things that we can get into with regards to all of that. stuff stuff. But breathing is a neural hack. It it shifts the mindset. It actually releases chemicals in the body that allow you to think rationally again. But if you haven't prepared for that storm prior to the storm, like you listen to this podcast and somebody says something that pisses you off and you breathe and you're like, that shit doesn't work, you know, and then you come out all emotional and everything. Well, that's a storm. So you have to prepare for that storm before the storm hits, right? So if you're not recognizing, look, this is my trigger, this is how I want to respond, and this is what I think the appropriate response is, and then you run it through a scenario base, which is based off of a mental rehearsal, okay? But if you haven't learned how to develop that, there's a certain wavelength that you wanna get into with regards to the brain and it's it's all measured in hertz, it's electrical activity, that certain wavelength is what allows your brain to recognize it and incorporate it as a repetition. So the more times that you do it, now when this trigger, this nerve, whatever, shows up again, your response, you have a conditioned response. What you're trying to do is recreate a default. So there are some moving pieces that are involved in that right um and and in order to incorporate that all of us go through that in the fire service when we show up on a scene we want to go and we're going to go force this door but there's smoke and fire babies falling out of windows you know there's frogs and locusts falling out of the sky and just (laughs) all hell is breaking loose right so what do you do well at home i would run that scenario through my head over and over and over again until when i start showing up on fire scenes my brain recognizes and goes oh yeah we've been here about 500 times you know let, let's let's get to work man you know it, it's not ignore the outside stuff it's keep your peripheral but keep your keep your keep your mindset where it belongs if your mindset is not clean and you're not clear on what it is that you're trying to do then you've got some work to do around that so I, this goes back to the failures that we talked about man i
1: so it's interesting i, I and, and here's what i'm glad about a lot of people i talk with are are saying the same things in terms of like, like breathing techniques self-talk meditation those kind of things that if you would have mentioned 20 years ago they're like yeah blow it out your rear end now yeah. it's the talk it is what is it's <laughs> out there it, it is helpful and with all that we have to deal with these days even if you've never done it before, maybe it's time for you to look into those things. I love that you said you needed to learn how to breathe. As it counterintuitive as that statement is, it's profound. I've used that word a few times today. But you needed to learn how to properly breathe, those techniques. And it, I think that's – sometimes we just have, to, 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 have the, the, to put our egos aside and realize that if I want to get better, I've got to go talk to somebody. I've got to reach – recalibrate. I've got to just sit down with somebody who could teach me how to use whatever these techniques are. But I love the, what you just ended with. You have to recreate a default. Man, That I love that because a lot of us go into, with, into things with a default mechanism, a default setting, a default response already there. Some may be great, like you talked about in terms of the job. Um, but sometimes those defaults are in need of a recalibration. Let's put it that way. So I love that you just... Very
2: good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Recalibrate that default. Yeah. You know, add to it, expand it, you know, because sometimes listen, I'm going to tell you the honest God's truth. I don't think hypervigilance is a bad thing. We've been exposed to some stuff and we know that the way society works and stuff. And sometimes that hypervigilance is appropriate. I mean, we live in South Florida. If you're walking around and you ain't carrying concealed that's ah, something wrong with you boy you know my, my my point is that's a joke my not really but my, my point is is that you have to be aware of that stuff but you cannot let it run your life mm-hmm. yep it could be uh it can be a spice or an herb that you put on your life to, to enhance it okay? okay but you can't overload it and let it run your life there is a balance Okay. And that's where the breath comes in because the breath is that neural hack. Okay. And if you think you can't be hacked, you are every day. Turn the television on, watch the news for 20 minutes. I promise you, you will be like, what in the hell is going on around here? And you're going to notice your emotions coming up, right? And, and stuff. You've just been hacked, bro. You've just been (laughs) hacked. So the the breath is everything to add the perspective to what is going on. There are some things we can control and some things we can't. There are things that we can influence. Right. And we have to be aware of that, you know, and I mean, the more of us that do that, the better off we are. You talked about how it's becoming the norm now that creates a bond among us, you know, and a strong bond because bonds that are forged in adversity are extremely strong. Yep. And, and don't ever forget that, because when you retire, you still have that bond with other men and other people, you know, and and it's uh, and you'd be surprised how it's uh it doesn't matter what discipline you're in. The fire service, law enforcement, corrections, treasury, military, we all have that bond. You took an oath. You have a bond.
1: You know, I'm glad you you mentioned that because, in terms of like walkaways and takeaways, I always tell people that you should try to find ways to have more shared experiences with your team, with your crew. And that's at home, too, more shared experiences where, you know, you got to think about the life of, of, you mentioned before, because of what we do, we have all these, this Rolodex full of shared experience that builds that bond with the people we've worked with over the course of a career. So perhaps in, Creating opportunities for more positive shared experiences, whatever those look like, is a way to help balance that out. Whether it's outings, family, whether it's getting together after work and doing a run or a stair climb, or just rucking throughout the, your, your your first do, but with the with the team, with the group where you're not working but you're kind of just decompressing. Maybe there's ways to do that, but I love the idea of creating more positive shared experiences because of the reasons you just mentioned. So that's a great way to, and it's a great way to transition to this question. Um, you know, I. I perspectives on leadership that's the the name of this podcast so as we kind of trail off the last few questions here from your perspective based on your experience what are is one or some of the the, the greatest traits of a leader
2: humility period and all somebody that's humble is willing to listen um They're also going to take charge. They understand their role. They understand your role and they understand the larger picture. They have the 500 foot, the 1000 and the 10,000 foot perspective. Um, And being able to communicate those things is the secondary aspect to it. So the humility and being able to communicate. Um, But, you know, those traits, there is no single trait. They're, those traits are called virtues. You're either incorporating them in your life and you're living from, you know, that honesty, that open-mindedness, that, that vulnerability, that transparency, and being able to inquire your people. You know who your people are. You're invested in them. You recognize what their strengths are. You embrace them. You bring them up. You let them work those strengths for the better of a battalion, for the better of a department, for the better of a company, whatever it is which in turn makes you a mentor you know you're mentoring people and and kind of pushing them in the directions that makes your department strong in ways that this isn't the strength we're taught anybody can build this but what we're talking about um requires just as much dedication to it so i to me it all starts with humility because it gives you the perspective to be able to motivate from there
1: No, i appreciate that i appreciate the 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 way you responded, there was no, not much thought there. There was like, Hey, this is what it is. And that, that just the way you responded with that was powerful. And I, I, I appreciate you expounding on that a little bit here. Here's, here's my favorite question or it's become my favorite question. But it, what, what are your concerns in the fire service? Like in other words, what keeps you up at night in today's fire service?
2: Nothing nothing what does that mean i i i think the fire service is in very capable hands of a younger generation they're going to continue to honor our traditions and our values and they're going to they're going to they're going to build on the things that you know i i listened to a uh i wish i could give the guy credit it was called uh it was a keynote and he talked about standing on the shoulders of giants and how we've all built off of the shoulders of others right and and i think that this generation is going to continue to do that, bro. You know, and if, if, we, if we understand that we can embrace them and teach them and in the process learn from them as well, um, God, everybody benefits, bro. You know, and well, I, I, I think we're in good hands.
1: To, to hear you say that because you're, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but you being in the quote-unquote circuit, you're, you're going out there, you're traveling, you're seeing a lot of people, a large, diverse group of people. And for a guy like you, say that—that's—and that's a great way to come to the close of what we're talking about here. Is that there's, for lack of a better term, hope. There's, there's that that the light at the end of the tunnel. That it's not all doom and gloom. You hear some of these guys that you work with, like, oh my gosh, look at the guys coming on today. If this is the future. It's going to be terrible. It's not. It's not. We've been. You mentioned it before. We adapt. We overcome. We get through this. That's what we do. It's what
2: we. Yeah, you could. You can complain all day long, but what are you doing to fix it? <laughs> right. Shut up. Oh, my God. These guys don't know shit. Well, what are you teaching them?
1: Hey, hey.
2: What, you know, the job of an old fireman is to teach young firemen how to become old firemen.
1: God bless you. Do why I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but you're, you're wrapping this up in the best way. We've been talking about... A lot of the, the struggles and the stripes and the resilience and, and, and ways to, to tackle that. But at the end of the day, we have amazing people we work with. We have smarter people that we work with. We have people that are have different avenues of communicating those positive things than ever before. We have different resources we've never had. And, yes, do we have challenges? Do we have struggles? Do we have strife? Are we going to have a tough job? Absolutely. This will always be a blue-collar, dirty, gritty, tough job. Always. But,
2: your Adversity opportunity. is opportunity, bro. Yeah, yeah. Adversity it, it, is opportunity. Yes, embrace it, it, bro.
1: And and that is even at my level now as an admin guy. That's the struggle I have is trying to make sure that people understand that the, all the, the struggles are going through and that what they're dealing with. There's opportunities in all of that, but but to be a realist, how do we balance that? How do we provide them the framework and the support and the structure to take all that in and still Get through this career positively, so they get through with those relationships and the experiences, and like you said, training the next generation to follow suit. So then when they do retire, when they do close this chapter, whatever that looks like, they can move on positively and and leave the, the fire service a better place, man. That, that that's yeah. So I love that you you said that, man. That that's as we come kind of the close on this. That's that's the way to end this, man. I mean, I, I in fact it opens it up. It's, 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 Go
2: ahead. No, no, no. It, it's routines. Um, routines are key. Routines, not rituals, right? Routines, um, they, they help you to get into the mindset that's going to make you successful. Um, rituals are, are tied to an outcome. And we're not in the outcome business. We're in the action business because even when we take all the appropriate out actions, the outcome isn't always successful. So so stop with that, you know, um, we are in the action business, bro. You, 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 you don't like the way something's going in your company, you do the best that you can to kind of influence that, you know, you talk to people individually, maybe you talk to them as a whole, yep. you know, routines are, are key, routines are, are important. That's what sets the mindset, we're talking about uh, establishing a routine to recognize your triggers, establishing a routine to, to implement breathing with body positioning. Uh, we're talking about establishing routines that help you to create and refine your default um, and, and and alter things. You know, these are routines. Um, they're not rituals, bro. You know, rituals are are cool, you know, they they but there's an outcome that's expected with that. And in the fire service, we're in the fucking action business. We ain't in the outcome business. The outcome's out of our hands. That's in God's hands. That's in you know, you know, we haven't even we haven't even started talking about the God thing. But that'll be another podcast or so I do yeah. enough of that with with like John Spira and, and Cody Trustrail and you know the guys in our cadre. You know, they're they're uh, they're very. Um, you know, I, I think you you uh, I think that the upside to being broken is it shows you a lot of truth about yourself and about what your beliefs are.
1: So let me let me ask this last question. For, look, as we as we kind of trail away here, you know, we talked about a bunch of things, but and I always seek the 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 the. the from what you guys, whoever we I have in the podcast for, for future ideas. So based on what we talked about today and, and talking about the future, talking about the people that are out there, what else do they want to hear about? In other words, if I'm going to do future podcasts, what are some things that I need to be focusing on for our people out there? What would be the first thing that comes to your mind?
2: Man, I'm not even, there's just, you could go in a lit. I think that, I think that the diversity of the way that people think and approach things is, is, is our strength. Okay. And, and when I mean diversity, I mean that you're going to approach something in a completely different way that I would approach it. And what that does is it reaches another, another segment, another, that's why there's 10 instructors in my cadre. Everybody has their own delivery, their own perspective, their own story. And with 10 instructors, I have 10 times the chance of capturing the hearts and the minds of, of these these men and women that come through our class um so what what do i think that you should be going in i think you should be, keep doing what you're doing because i think you're doing a, a fantastic job you know what what i think you should be doing isn't as important as what you think you should be doing hmm. you know you, what i mean thank you for throwing that, that back i trust i trust your i i do I, I, I trust your ability to be able to judge and move forward with what's in the best interest of the fire service yep. and, and the individuals in the fire service. No, no and, and you say it, you're, you're 100% right. And I think that
1: some people out there that are intimidated about anything from writing an article to writing a book to teaching a class, because they may think, well, that's already been done or that's already out there or that subject's covered. Well, maybe, yes, but you may present it or display it or tackle it in a way that does, it resounds better with somebody that the other person didn't do it. And I think that we have that's to right. make sure that we keep that in the forefront of our minds because it, it, we can, we can digest a zillion things out there from podcasts to articles or whatever, but sometimes something, something hits you different than it does somebody else. So
2: that's right. That's- truth will always resonate with people, but the delivery is the, that's, that's the thing that gets the truth across the context, the delivery, all of that. And that's what's beautiful about the fire service. I mean, you know, it, it comes from so many different angles, from so many different, and we're so sort of diversified. By, I mean, look at all the different personalities. You know, we got knuckle draggers. We got to have them, you know. You, you actually have to be a blend of all of that to be a rounded fireman. <laughs> you know, you've got to carry all of those traits, man. So, so, so I'm it, comfortable with the direction that you
1: no, and I, I, I like the way we ended this, man. It, it, it's, it's a positive thing. It brings hope. And it just shows you that we have a lot of opportunities out there with a lot of them amazing people that we work with, man. Um, so for you, what's next, man? What's on your radar? Where, where are we going to see you around, man?
2: I am off until February. February, we'll be at North Florida. And then we've got Illinois. And then we've got so we've got North Florida Fire Expo. And then we've got the Firemanship Conference, and then we've got MAFSI, the Metro Atlanta Firefighter Conference. And then I've got some individual stuff sprinkled through there. Um, what I've learned is I don't travel very well anymore. So if I'm going once a month only, that's fine. You know, there was a time where I could go every other week or every week, and I was good, man. I, I just couldn't get enough. You know, a lot. yeah, I'm full. I'm good, man. A lot. I'm good. I like I like my bed. I like my wife. I like coming home to my house. I love my life. You know, I got a life that I really. I I don't deserve I, I sometimes I just go what did I ever do to deserve the life that I've got you know because you know I mean I, I look at some of the stuff that goes on in the world you know we have we go from the fire service to getting a much more a broader world view of stuff as you get older I think your own mortality comes into question you start looking at shit from a much broader view you know I mean I, I shit I could be living in South Israel right now that's fucking hellhole right now. Yeah. Um, you know, but my, my point is, is that, um, I've got some stuff coming up. Um, Instagram tactical resiliency training, LLC, we keep it updated kind of, um, I'm not a real big social media guy anymore. You know, um, uh, ta- uh, Facebook, you know, same thing, tactical resiliency training, uh, our YouTube page, my LinkedIn page, that's it. You know, um, I got stuff going on. I don't really advertise. Um, I was talking to uh, Jeremy with, uh, I think it's uh, Fire Talk Radio, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was going to get him to start. Um, he does a lot of marketing stuff too, and and my marketing is all wor- word of mouth. And I don't I don't know that I wanted to get that busy. Honestly, I, I'm. It's just it's hard work. Yeah. It's it's a lot of work, and it takes me away from. What I have grown to love, and that's my family and and the life that I have now, you know, so these podcasts are wonderful, and I would encourage anybody that's uh that's you know in in the training area or or wanting to do things and be relevant that um, you know do it based off your experience you know off of the necessity you know the stuff that you talk about is it's exactly that it's based off experience and necessity of the things that you've witnessed the things that you've seen the things we could do better. Maybe just have an open dialogue, a conversation, whatever.
1: We need a lot. We need a lot of that, and that's that's good that we're we're ending on that. So so let me just summarize some of the things we talked about today before closing up. I appreciate everything we've talked about. In terms of, um, I love how we started off with that when you were going through your your challenges. There was that idea that you thought you were managing that stress, and I think that was a, a proud way to start off and, and talk about the fact that we sometimes don't realize what we're going through until it's too late to say different say a different way. you right. um, We also talked about your book and, you know, in terms of tactical takeaways and talking about resilience, you know, guys, if you're listening out there, it's something that if you wanted to start understanding resiliency, that picking up that book, and kind of really just kind of get an idea from that. And as, as Rick says, it's not a long read, but it's powerful, it's been researched and, and vetted. So if you want to start somewhere, that's maybe somewhere you should start. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about focusing on the people that are doing it right. And I think that was a good statement, especially in the middle, because, We do focus on, okay, if this person's having a challenge or what are ways we can help people, but there are a lot of people doing it the right way, maybe seeking them out to see what makes them tick, what are things that they've deployed that works for them, and seeing if those work for you in your life in terms of resilience. We talked about things like neuroscience and neuroplasticity and the fact that even though you're getting older, you still can learn other things. You you still can change. It may take a little time, but with time and patience, you still can uh, either change your mindsets or learn additional things that are out there. We talked about things that are more practical in nature, like self-talk, meditation, breathing techniques. I love that you said you had to learn how to breathe. That's a profound statement. You know, it doesn't just happen. You don't just go off and do things. Sometimes it needs an education, something as simple, but not as simple as the proper way to breathe and and use that as a a way to to be resilient. And I love that we said that recreating a default. And of all the statements that we're walking away with today... I love that, that idea. That's going to have me kind of opening things up in terms of my default settings or people's default settings and how can we recalibrate those in a more healthy way. Um, either we talked about humility and dove into that and, and we ended off in a positive way in terms of just reinforcing that the fire service is in good hands. We have a lot of good people out there. We have a lot of good ways to transmit information. We have a lot of conferences and seminars of people spearheading and, and championing things that are good for the fire service in this space and others, and you know this is a great way to end off this topic. I still think that for me, I'm still gonna, I still want to do more research, especially on the, the neuroscience area. I think I want to dive into that, and especially on IQ, EQ, and as you say so, SQ. You know, I like that you're inventing things. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, but what as we as we're wrapping up here, Rick, what are your final thoughts? What 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 are we, what are we uh, as we're speaking to the listeners and ending up here, what are your final thoughts?
2: I you know, it sounds kind of goofy. Um, but many of us uh I, I think it's normal. I know it's normal to think negative in the doom and gloom, because the human the human mind is designed for one thing and it's survival and the survival mechanism is very difficult to overcome. Um, But if you recognize that, that you're number one, you're never going to do away with it, nor should you want to do away with a survival mechanism, which is part of the sympathetic process, but that if you can balance it from a rational perspective, which comes from the parasympathetic side, (coughs) Um, you, you become a more well-rounded person. And not only that, you live a life from joy rather than a life of of always focusing on, on the misery and, and the bad thing. And, you know, it, it's very difficult to uh, I can't even find the word that captures that right now at the moment. Um, that's a byproduct of being sixty-five years old. You know, you just kind of forget shit. I don't know how in help Gustin remembers the stuff that he does. That man, that man's mind is sharp as a tack. I love that man. Amen. But my, my point is, is that you know, don't don't live your life in in you know, quiet frustration and and isolation. You know, there there, there's so much more out there that that will impact your life in such a positive way. And, and that, you know, when we focus so much about impacting our own lives, but what happens as a result of that is you start impacting others and you start understanding the pleasure of joy from impacting and helping others. That is so powerful. And when you empower other people, um, it's so powerful and so rewarding, um, you know, don't take yourself so serious, man. We're life like a loose shirt, you know, change that shit often. <laughs> when I had hair, I used to bleach it. You know, I, I did all kinds of shit to it. I mean, it's maybe that's why I ain't got no hair left now, but you know, um, the, you know, my, y- you get it, you know, don't take yourself so serious, bro. You know, it, it's a uh, life's too short. There's a lot of, a lot of pleasures out there. There's a lot of joy to be had, you know, we're just happen to be in a, they happen to be in a tough industry that um, can rob you of that and don't, it doesn't, it doesn't rob you. You rob yourself of it, Mm. you know, take that shit back, take it back, take it back with a vengeance. If you're going to hate something, hate being freaking negative, Mm. you know, hate being in debt, you know, if you're, if you're going to, you know, steal something, steal joy, steal pleasures, steal love, you
1: know? Well, listen. That's it. That, that's, that's a great way to to, to come to a close here, man. So, um, Rick, thanks for thanks for doing this again, man. Um, I always I always enjoy talking to you. Me. It's 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 I've got, I'm I'm glad to have gotten to know you. I'm glad to be able to pick your brain and see inside your brain and really just uh, get a different perspective when I, I talk to you. And it, it's it's so healthy for me to for anybody to talk to you and kind of hear your side and then help you help other people. Uh, It just, it's, I love talking to you, man. It's, it's every time I do, I feel like I walk away a a better and happier person. So I hope that the listeners are listening here. I have the same effect. Um, So as we wrap up, uh, as always, um, second Friday of the month or the perspectives on leadership podcast, we talked about a lot today. If you ever want to reach out for more information, obviously we mentioned the book, um, uh, and uh, developing firefighter resiliency. If you have any questions of what we talked about today and you'd like a little more information, you can always reach out to me through Fire Engineering or Rick. We'd be happy to, to point you in the right direction of all these resources we're talking about. It's that important that we're not, we're not in some ether. We're not some sort of untouchable people. We're here to help the fire service. So if you have any questions and want to dive into more, we can direct you in the right direction. Um, so thank you all for listening. This has been once again, a wonderful opportunity to, to to pick the brain of some people out there. Um, I hope you got a lot out of it and, um, I I guess we'll see you next month. So Rick, thanks once again for, for hanging out with me. Much appreciated. All right,
2: brother. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, everybody. We'll see you next month. Thank you all for listening. God bless and be safe out there. Take care.
0: IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, Resource One, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Like
3: a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years... Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tencatafabricscom slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology only from Tankata Protective Fabrics.
4: Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com.